This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Brew Strong is brought to you by Blickman Engineering, home of the top tier brewing stand. Visit them online at blickmanengineering.com. Time for the beer radio you've been looking for. This is the show that dispels myths, tackles the toughest topics, and makes no apologies for geeking out on beer. Hosted by two guys that drink before they think, Jamil Zainashev and John Palmer. This is Brew Strong. Hey, howdy, hey, my brewing brothers and sisters. Greetings, greetings. Ah, <laughs> uh, it's good to have the palm air back in the palm of my hand. <laughs> <laughs> back in close proximity. Close proximity. I, I can reach over and touch you, yeah. which I'll do later on after I have a, a few more break, a so few more beers. Uh, more beers here from... Uh, Device Brewing Company. We got uh, Ken from Device Brewing Company here in the studio with us. Um, oh, I see. Uh, he's brought uh, and brought some beers for us. He's uh, set up a, a nano brewery in Sacramento, and uh, we got to talking and uh, uh, outside outside here. and And uh, I realized that uh, he's thought a lot about this, and he's gained a lot of experience. It's really fresh in his mind. The the battle scars are still. Uh, weeping, uh, <laughs> still copious. And- yeah, he's, he's he's still uh in a very fragile state, and I thought this is the perfect time to uh bother him about uh talking about his experience, and I thought it'd be quite quite useful. A lot of our uh, a lot of our listeners, they all want to start up a brewery, oh, yeah. and there a lot of them are thinking, you know what, I get myself one of the Blickman systems, and uh. I get a get a little warehouse space, and you know I'm off and running, and I'll do that while right. I have my regular job and my family <laughs> and all that stuff. And so we we brought somebody in to uh, to tell you about his experience doing that, so you can see uh, uh, what he's done right, what he's done wrong, what uh, you know, and and what he thinks of, of the whole experience, and whether that's for you or not. And I think that that. Uh, you know, versus you and I talking about it, neither one of us has done right. the nano thing. So right. I, I, I think it's uh, such a hot topic that uh, we wanted to kind of get somebody in who's... Yeah. Get us back to our going pro shows. and uh, Truly an expert. Yep, exactly. Well, and you know who's truly an expert? John Blickman. Absolutely. You've read my mind, John Blickman, Blickman <laughs> Engineering. Uh, check it out, BlickmanEngineering.com, Blickman with two N's. Um they brew or they make uh, uh, great uh, homebrew equipment, and they even have the nano size stuff. So right. uh, uh, Ken is actually using yep. some Blickman gear for his nano, and uh, we'll find out how that's working for him. Um, and as a matter of fact, I uh, have gotten my my top tier system down to Heritage Brewing Company. Oh, you do now, okay. and I I, I I need to upsize the the kettles on it. So, uh, but what we're gonna do? Mm-hmm. Is I want to uh, take that Blickman system. I want to invite home brewers. Uh-huh. I don't know how we'll sort through them. Maybe there will only be one or two that actually want to do this. Yeah. yeah. But if there happens to be more than that, maybe we'll sort through them in some sort of way. But we'll have them come down and brew with us on the the Blickman system. Okay, that'd be fun. And then from that. Uh, we will take that beer, and if it turns out good, we'll serve it in the tap room there. Since it's ah. brewed in the facility, yeah, it's tax yeah. paid uh, under our license. We can go ahead and and sell that beer in our tap room. So a home brewer can brew a beer and have it served commercially, uh, which is is something that you know a lot of people wish they could do right, and have right. that experience. So we'll be able to offer that experience to people now. I can tell you, not everybody's thrilled with my idea to do this, but I think it's great. I love homebrewers. I love uh, you know 
get involved in this stuff. I think it's it's a chance to learn from uh, you know the homebrew community. I think it's a chance to to have some fun. I think it's a chance to to look at people's creativity. Maybe it sparks some ideas for us. Maybe we come across a beer that we're like, wow, that's so fantastic. Let's make that uh, you know a full time commercial beer. Let's yeah. brew that thing up and uh, you know just but, have fun. But with that. Liz said, as long as it's not Doc that's doing it, right? <laughs> right. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> but uh, you know um, that should be fun. And uh, I'm look, really looking forward to that. And uh, uh, again, that that'll be on the Blickman system. So That'd be cool. uh, check it out uh, if you if you uh, are looking for some great homebrew gear. Check it out BlickmanEngineering.com. They're innovating, as as JP likes to say, uh, innovating your your brew day. Right. So very cool. All right, uh, Ken. Welcome to the studio. Welcome to uh, Brew Strong, and thanks for joining us. I know. Uh, taking you away you're 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 working another your regular job and you're getting the brewery going and you got the family so you taking time uh to come and join us i uh, really appreciate that well i'm really uh honored to be here so thank you for having me great right yeah in, in, in the drive over uh, we were talking in the car he's got a lot of a lot of the same thoughts i do you know uh, uh-huh. there's a, a like, lot of the same uh you know, interest in, 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 you know, pricing or, you know, uh, labor hours, tasting room, all sorts of stuff. It's whether you're doing a nano or you're doing, you know, a big production brewery, uh, you've, there's a lot of overlap. Yeah. A lot of things are exactly the same. Have you found that to be true in everything you've done? Does it, does it seem like you're doing things? Boy, you could just be doing this on a much larger scale, and without hesitation, it's just mainly you know a money thing. Or absolutely, no, it's um, it's really all about the money mm-hmm. at this point. Um, Getting uh, enough to to get started, all that. I mean, right. let, let's let's do this. Uh, we want to do a series of shows with you, and I want uh, the listeners to get the the full rundown. And I think maybe the best way to do this is let's talk first this show about. Um, Concept. Your whole thro- thought process, your concept, how you kind of got to that point where you were putting money into it and you were you were rolling all that stuff, uh, dealing with your family, getting you know all all those things, and then next show we'll talk about your actual implementation. In the show after that we'll talk about uh, kind of the aftermath and, and what you do different and things like that. Although feel free to jump in and explain what you do different now. Sure, sure. Well, you know, the the process of thinking about doing this is a long process, or at least it should be. You, know, you should spend a lot of time uh, really, really researching if this is truly something you want to do, if it's something you think you can do. Um, if, you've, if you've got a wife or a girlfriend, um, you want to make sure they're on board 100%, because without, you know, without that support, you know, I think you're, you're doomed. Um, <clears throat> for, for money, you've got to think about uh, what kind of business model you want to have. You, you want to think about uh, you know, who, who am I going to sell my beer to, and and, and you know, is it going to be in kegs, bottles, growlers, tap room? What what are we going to do? Right. And uh, there's a lot of a lot of spreadsheet work involved. And if, if you know if you're not good at spreadsheets, I would recommend doing a couple tutorials before you start putting together <laughs> uh, a business model of any kind. Yeah, the spreadsheet is your friend. I think no matter um, what size. Uh, brewery you set up um if you're going to be running a brewery and in, in any aspect um you better be spreadsheet savvy i uh, you know a lot of times you're thinking about a process or a cost or you know you're, you're trying to analyze some aspect of your business and for me putting it all down into a spreadsheet figuring out actually all the inputs and then looking at the results and being able to manipulate that has been extremely helpful. I mean, that makes it possible for me to decide, you know, does this make sense or not? What kind of costs do you put in your spreadsheet? For us, well, it depends on what I'm analyzing, but usually it's all the, uh, you know, cost of goods okay. is, is a big one. And then, you know, uh, that helps me with uh, pricing, you know, on, on the ounce and things like that. It's like I'm trying to set tasting room pricing. And Ken and I were talking about that on the way down. It's like, you know, how do you decide... What's too much? What's too little? And, and one of the things I like to do is look at how much am I selling this beer for per ounce? Okay. Yeah. You know, and that per ounce price is is huge because it, it really affects what the consumers, the value the consumer is getting, and you know what you're you're netting out of something. And you know you can compare your your various formats. It's like 
especially nano brewing i mean you know a lot of times brewers will sell you know a keg of beer really cheap and it's like their per ounce price that they're charging is is almost nothing but um you know they're they're charging you know quite a bit more on their pint prices well if you're doing a nano brew and you don't have kegs to be given away right uh, you know maybe you should be charging per pint prices on that because um you know you can only make so much beer you really want to encourage people to drink it by the pint right so have you found that you know to be true in in other aspects i guess um (laughs) i really want to talk about uh you know your initial startup um but uh, have you found that to be true as far as uh you know your worries about nano and and supplying enough beer absolutely it's a huge uh concern because uh you know we've got a lot of people that want the beer but we only have so much beer to offer. And so we have to be selective um, as to how many uh, accounts we take on mm-hmm. right. um, for, for kegs mm-hmm. and um, even for some limited bottling as well. Yeah. We, we need to be very careful to not overextend ourselves. Um, and so, you know, in the, in the process of acquiring these, you know, retail accounts that I've, that I've acquired, I've been very selective as to who I even approach mm-hmm. because, you know, at the end of the day, uh, there's not going to be enough beer for everybody. Right. And so, you know, my philosophy is simple. I will sell beer to people who places I frequent or mm-hmm. places I would go to. Mm-hmm. Um, because it, the way I look at it is, you know, there's only so much beer to, to yeah. sell. Mm-hmm. So, you know, why, why am, I can't go to every single bar in town and say, hey, buy my beer. Because uh, I'll run out before I can even deliver half of it. Now, you started out as a home brewer, right? Yes. How did you get into home brewing? Well, my friend Justin Knight got me into home brewing. Mm-hmm. I was living uh, in San Diego, going to UC San Diego. Uh, I went there for my college education, mm-hmm. and you know, he. And what, did, what did you study? Uh, I have a bachelor's and a master's in structural engineering. Mm-hmm. Okay, okay. <laughs> bullcrap major. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, except when you need to build something. <laughs> well, yeah. yeah, you took the easy way out, I guess. Yeah, right. There's a lot of art classes in that. I'm assuming women's studies, pottery. Mm-hmm. Health class. Yeah. It was the engineering background's actually been really helpful. I can imagine. Yeah, you know, just uh, just the 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 way of thinking when you're trying to set up a brewery, and and it's not just equipment; it's everything else you need to do as far as um, oh, yeah. you know how you approach all your paperwork, how you approach um, just business in general. I That's think so having a, yeah. a a way of structured thinking uh, is extremely helpful if you're if you're bouncing around. Uh, it doesn't do you any good. All right, so you uh, you learned to homebrew when you're in school. You see, you see San Diego. Uh, you got your degree. You moved up here, and uh, you continued to homebrew. You were enjoying that. It was your you're married? Yes, uh, thirteen years. Okay, and your wife was enjoying uh, your homebrew as well. She does she, she enjoys like beer. She enjoys drinking it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, she, well, she doesn't enjoy the guest bathroom taken over by dirty kettles. <laughs> <laughs> so so. Yeah, how did you come up with the idea to open a brewery? I, and, and what was her response? Did she say, "Great, get your stinky brewing out of the house, and there's more beer for me to drink. You're going to make money at this thing." Was she going in with rose-colored glasses, or how, how did, Not, or did you have to convince her? I had to convince her. Um, and my stinky brew equipment's still at the house, and I still <laughs> brew batches at the house. So, um, now uh, she wasn't on board at first. Mm-hmm. Um, and to answer your first question, you know, really, I thought about doing this when I still lived in San Diego. Mm-hmm. And uh, my friend Justin and I and my friend Dave, uh, we were we were talking about it. We mm-hmm. were talking about it seriously. And this is mm-hmm. back, you know, this is back before um, a lot of the 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 brewer, new breweries in San Diego were even uh, mm-hmm. heard of or opened. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, in hindsight, that might not have been a, a bad move. But I don't think any of us were were financially ready mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. to take the plunge. Right. You know, we all we 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 talked about it. But then you look at the numbers and you go, "Gee, how are we going to do that? Right. right. Where does um, that money come from? Where does it yeah. come from?" Mm-hmm. Um, now, when I pitched it to my wife, you know, she was very skeptical. Uh, she said, "Well, you know, I just don't know. It's it seems like a seems like a pretty risky venture, which it most certainly is." Mm-hmm. And um, you know, the more the more we really got that beer out there to other people, because typically, you know, it's just our circle of friends. But I really tried to get the beer out to a lot of people to try try this. Mm-hmm. And you know, as the feedback continued to come in, is wow, you should really sell this. Mm-hmm. You know, and as people started to to give the the positive feedback and the encouragement, you know, she started to come around, mm-hmm. and um, and that was when I started putting together, you know, a lot of these uh, business models. 
Okay. And all the, you know, and the, the spreadsheets, and then that way it's much easier. You, know, you, you sit over a couple of pints and you, you paint this picture of how great it's going to be, but it's really not until you can actually set them down in front of the computer mm-hmm. um, sober as a judge and say, you know, if we do this mm-hmm. by this model, which, of course, is never true. It's a, a total <laughs> lot of crap, yeah. yeah. But, but it convinces you it's that convincing. it's possible. Right. Yeah. So and she once she turned once she turned the corner, mm-hmm. uh, she's been yeah really behind me hundred mm-hmm. percent huge. Okay, well let's uh, take a short break. When we come back, we're going to hear more uh, from Ken uh, at Device Brewing about uh, how he got his start. Right after this. When you hear Blickman Engineering, think innovation, passion, quality, and customer service. Blickman Gear is designed by brewers to give you a sense of pride in your equipment. At Blickman, they know what makes brewing a pain and build gear that makes it fun. Like the intuitive beer gun, a completely different approach to filling bottles. The Therminator Wart Chiller, a new take on a plate chiller that's sized for flow, performance, and the high groundwater temps homebrewers face every day. The Brewmometer, a brilliant well thermometer design with brewing parameters right on the dial. The auto sparge, ultimate simplicity for preventing an overflow or running your mash tun dry. And much more, like the modular top-tier brewing stand, conical fermenters, and their boiler maker brew pots. With more cutting-edge equipment coming soon, keep up with the latest from Blickman at BlickmanEngineering.com and stay on the cutting edge. Williams Brewing is your online resource for prompt delivery of quality home brewing supplies. Since 1979, Williams Brewing has offered the finest equipment and freshest ingredients and the best customer service in the business. Cut hours off your brewing sessions by using one of our 11 varieties of famous Williams malt extract. Our Williams Belgian Pale Extract is mashed with pure Belgian two-row malt and a small percentage of Belgian wheat malt for an authentic Belgian character you just can't get from other extracts. Or check out our unique fermenters, two-and-a-half-gallon kegs, paintball tank-based draft beer equipment, bottling aids, and much more. We even have our own line of precision hydrometers. Go to williamsbrewing.com to browse our vast selection. That's williamsbrewing.com. Orders placed by 3.30 p.m. Pacific time ship the same day. Brewing is easy. The Williams way. Hey, my brewing brothers and sisters. This is Jamel Zanisha, and I love a bold, hoppy beer. One that spits resin in your face and makes you cry, uncle. There are a lot of great hoppy beers out there, but at Heretic, we want to make something as bold, dank, and resiny as possible. We use hops at every chance we get, including multiple dry hop additions. The result is Heretic Evil Cousin. This light golden, 8% Imperial IPA has an easy malt character that helps take the edge off the massive bittering, but it takes a back seat to the in-your-face hop character. We make sure this beer finishes dry so the hops can jump out and slam me in the taste buds. If you can't get enough hoppy goodness, Evil Cousin is your cup of tea. Cheers. Since the first time the Brewing Network microphones turned on, more beer was behind it. More Beer sponsors the programming on the BN because, like you, they love brewing. And like the Brewing Network, they love sharing their knowledge. Morebeer.com isn't just a website to place your next equipment or ingredient order. Morebeer.com also gives you access to free beer information that will make you a better brewer. Go to morebeer.com and click into the Learning Center. You'll find podcasts, technical facts, video tutorials, and more, including access to The Buzz, More Beer's social network of more than 5,000 members. And some of them might even be crazier about beer than you are. Get over to morebeer.com today and take advantage of the buzz, the forum, the learning center, and make sure you're signed up to receive the newest More Beer catalog. More Beer, bringing you absolutely everything for beer making. Back to the two guys that know how to turn beer into beer. This is Brew Strong. Uh, we're back. We're talking, uh, setting up your nano brewing with uh, Ken from Device Brewing, the, the owner brewer of Device Brewing, and we're enjoying some of his beers. 
start out with a really nice uh, Russian Imperial Stout. I thought yeah. that was uh, quite nice. We all yeah, enjoyed that. Very tasty. Yeah, as yeah. we were saying, the kind of an American style. America, Ameri- that is definitely the American Russian Imperial Stout. Yeah, uh, some hop forward to it. Uh, reminds me a lot of uh, some of the Rogue beers with the. Uh, you know, oh, yeah. uh, like yeah. Shakespeare Stout and things like that. I thought it was, that was really good. And then uh, we had the uh, Pale Ale, which has uh, got a nice, uh, real spicy, kind of almost peppery uh, hop character to it. Right, right. Which uh, very nice as well. Now, what's your ABV on the Pale? Uh, it's six point five. Okay, so it's, it's a bit, it's a bit high, a bit out of, you know, out of the the Pale Ale category. Kind of IPA-ish. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Pale, yeah uh, the whole Pale Ale IPA IPA used to be six point two, six percent. Yep, Pale ale yep. was like four to five. Everything's just creeping up. So we we did cousin like eight percent. Oh yeah. And I'm thinking, well, let's not call it imperial anymore. Let's call it double, and then we'll there make another one at like ten percent that we'll call imperial. Because <laughs> yeah. it's just like the whole definition of things are changing. I I tell you. you and doesn't imperial out there. have like a negative connotation to it now? You know, oh, it's imperialist. You know, it's like not a good thing, no. right? No, no. Not at all. It doesn't? Maybe in the beer world. It... Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I'm turning my mic off. Yeah. yeah. When I see Imperial, I tend to order that. Right. In the beer world, Imperial is uh, is the hot thing still. It means more alcohol. Yeah. It has nothing to do with, like, you know, being a fascist or... Imperialist you know. nation. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. No. Yeah. Okay. yeah. Well, I, I do I do tend to approach Imperials cautiously, you know, if they're... John is delicate. Well, yes, I am. Uh, you know, if they're if they're Delicate if they're uh, base beers, or if they're you know they're pale ale, or IP, they're IPA, or their other mm-hmm. you know uh, lower alcohol offerings are really well done, then I'll have confidence that the Imperial is well done too. Mm-hmm. Uh, too often you get you know the uh, kitchen sink Imperial where where they've just you know kicked up the alcohol with not a whole lot of uh, you know thought to the flavors that are being pulled together in the beer mm-hmm. yeah so it's no, easy, it's easy it's to make a high strength beer it's hard to make one well yes i would agree uh so all right so you got your wife's buy-in how now what was your next step in the process were you trying to come up with money you're trying to find a location paperwork what was it what where'd you go from there well it's definitely um just trying to pull together my money um how much did you think you needed to open this Nano? And and, and describe what, what your vision that you were going to open was mm-hmm. and tell us how much money you thought you needed for that. Well, it really depended on which system I was going to go with. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it, the one that I ended up going with, uh, I thought I could do for about 30000 mm-hmm. 25 to 30000 which, you know, it, it, it never happens. Mm-hmm. Um, those Those contingencies just they just stack up you mm-hmm. know and you know i i walked into the brewery the other day and within an hour i'd spent three hundred dollars to have my my walk-in coolers uh to defrost clock fixed mm. you oh, know so just yeah. little things like that you mm-hmm. just can't account for ahead of time mm-hmm. a lot of people say you know double it come up with your come up with your number and double it i'd say there's nothing wrong with that mm-hmm. because if you wind up you know overshooting that's fine you got a little more working capital once you get going well, the only the only negative to that is like uh, if I need double this number, I can't get that much money. I'll never get people never start because they're like, oh, I need sixty thousand. It's like right. if I could come up with thirty, I could do it. You know, right. but uh, you you end up just chronically underfunded if if you uh, if you don't plan ahead. Right, right. Yeah. At what po- at what point in the process did you decide to pull the trigger and say, you know, um, I've got enough capital i've got enough buy-in from the, you know your family and so on to to go for it that's a good question um i gotta think it had to be somewhere towards the end of last year is when i finally just said okay we're gonna we're gonna move forward we're gonna do this and that was like one year two years five years in the process or we've been dreaming about it for for easily five years of just boy wouldn't it be nice wouldn't okay. it be nice um really honestly hard thought on it was probably at least a year to a year and a half leading up to that okay um and then i could have thought more really you know that could have spent more time thinking and planning but you get to a certain point you go well you know uh time is of the essence Uh, there's a movement happening here you want to be Mm -hmm. uh you want to be with 
the movement. Right. You don't, you know, it's it's like catching a wave. Mm-hmm. Uh, right. You know, you can paddle, but if you don't paddle fast enough and soon enough, you're the, you know, the wave is going to lift you up and it's going to pass right by you. Well, yeah. and that's the thing, you know, the BA talks about the number of breweries and planning, and they also talk about the number that they think are actually going to come to anything, and it's always just a fraction. You know, there's a lot of people that talk about it and, and kind of, uh, you know, look at it and say they're doing it and, and never actually get to the point where they do it. It's, it's you know, that's that leap of going forward, of starting to spend that money. So you were able to, to raise $30,000 and um, was, what was your next step? Location. Mm-hmm. It was, that was a really big thing. It was where, where are we going to do this? Um, okay. And I looked into um, Sacramento first because that's where I live. Mm-hmm. And I- initially, I, I discovered that to have a tap room, which is really the, the backbone of a, of a nanobury's business model, um, I would need a conditional use permit uh, to have a tasting room. Okay. Mm-hmm. And the application fee alone on that runs, you know, about thirteen, fourteen thousand bucks. Wow. wow. And that's that's the, just that's just for the application. And it depends on the on the city because uh, in Fairfield, I needed a use permit. It was like three grand something like that and that's for them to send out all the notices and have the meeting and everything same thing you know ten thousand dollar difference so you know asking those questions of the city before you start that's huge yeah and i'd say starting at your at your community development department first your Mm -hmm. business development that's probably the first place to start because they'll know um the other breweries that have that have come before you and they'll know some of the pitfalls. Mm-hmm. They'll okay. even, they'll even tip you off to other breweries that are in planning. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, inadvertently, they don't mean to, they just tend to. <laughs> yeah. And, um, no, it was really just looking for a city that would work. Um, and that I wouldn't have to spend half my capital on a use permit. Okay. Uh, so I was looking in uh, Elk Grove, very seriously looking in Elk Grove. Uh, I was looking in West Sacramento. Um, but, uh, the, one of the one of the key people at the Sacramento uh, Economic Development Department actually tipped me off and said, "Hey, you know, sent out an email to quite a few breweries that are in planning and said, you know, we're we're bringing in a new zoning ordinance. If it passes, uh, there's language in there for uh, breweries to have t- tasting rooms in there without having to get a use permit for it." So once that happened, it was more a matter of, "Okay, now let's find a place in Sacramento." Because really, I, I, okay. I didn't want to have to drive too far um, because you, you're you're going to have to make sometimes multiple trips to the brewery every day. So. Oh yeah, yeah. So you've you've determined Sacramento would work. Um, now, what about the the space you were looking for? Did that change in any way? I mean, uh, from your initial concept to what you found available and what you were able to negotiate with. Yeah, I think the the place I had in mind first was was the first nanobury I ever went to, which was Hess mm-hmm. down in San Diego, mm-hmm. and you know, I pictured a thousand square feet with a roll up door, mm-hmm. maybe a small office on the side. And, you know, the more I got into it, you know, that's, and that's from just sort of a, you know, kind of a passive perspective. But when you go active and you start looking into it from uh, the actual, you know, logistics of how do we make this suitable for brewing, um, then you start thinking of infrastructure. Yeah. And that was when I had the idea. I thought, well, you know, if I can find a restaurant, oh, if yeah. I can find a little restaurant space, mm-hmm. someone's gone in and done a lot of that work for me. Mm-hmm. And... So then the challenge became, okay, well, how do we find a restaurant space that also is zoned for manufacturing? Mm-hmm. And that's not as, not as easy not, to find. Not too easy, yeah. No, that's not easy. But, uh, and I did come across with the help of, uh, of the agent that I was working with. Uh, he said, you know, I do have uh, a defunct little cafe space here that's in a, it's in a warehouse uh, complex. It's on the mm-hmm. end cap. It's right on the street. Mm-hmm. There's no roll-up door. It looks like a cafe, sort of. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it might, might fit your needs. And my wife and I took a look at it, and we saw uh, multiple floor drains. We saw uh, what looked like about a five or 600,000 BTU gas line, uh, hood, type 2 hood for ventilation, walk-in cooler, hmm. uh, ADA bathrooms, wow. HVAC, lighting, flooring, tile, uh, plumbed for three-compartment sink, hot, wow. uh, commercial hot water heater, hmm. uh, a little office space. and um, Probably saved yourself a fortune. Just finding that space. I honestly don't think we could have done it. Mm-hmm. I, I really don't think we could have done it. Because what you're talking about there, even for a tiny space, you're talking at least $100,000, probably probably more like two hundred. Yep. 
somewhere most people who have seen it and seen the improvements um, from the building department and so forth said, well, you saved yourself about 160 grand. Mm-hmm. Wow. And they're, they're right. And it would have broke us. We, we, would have, we would have been dead on arrival right. if we hadn't found a space that already had those improvements. So I would say to anybody, uh, start looking for uh, defunct restaurants. Mm-hmm. That's your best bet. Well, and, you know, you, you get to some of these places and you see, uh, you know, this warehouse space with the roll-up door and all that. And there's, you know, it doesn't have any of that stuff. It's truly warehouse space. <laughs> they yeah. plunk a bar down and just start selling beer. They don't worry that they don't have a bathroom. <laughs> or <laughs> and I, I don't know how they get away with that. Um, you know, especially in California, there are um, very serious uh restrictions and and laws on uh just air conditioning and lighting appropriate lighting for the task that people are doing um you know there's just a whole ton of things that you have to worry about in order if you're going to have especially if you're going to let the public in Hmm. so uh the other nice thing is that it since it was uh uh Food production or food processing, I guess you could say it was a, it was a cafe before. Mm-hmm. Uh, we didn't actually have to do a change of use, so there was no certificate of occupancy required either. So, oh, wow. so the use was already built in. We just mm-hmm. we pretty much turned the key and you know, started wheeling in equipment. That's excellent. And I'm sure even uh, sewage and all that, you didn't have to pay any sort of additional connection fee or anything. No, the impact fees in some of the places we looked at were five, six, seven thousand dollars mm-hmm. just for the impact wow. fees. Mm-hmm. Um, this particular building had a lot of credits. Mm-hmm. And since most of the tenants weren't really heavy, you know, heavy water users, um, there was a surplus of credits there. So actually, my my uh, sewer impact fee was you know, zero dollars. Mm-hmm. Great, That's nice, yeah, yeah. That that seemed like a, a huge uh, benefit. The good news of looking for uh, defunct restaurants is that there's got to be a plethora of them, right? I mean, so many restaurants go under in the first year or two of business, I think it's like six out of 10. I think it's more than half. So there's got to be a lot of those types of properties, right? Well, I mean, yes and no. You're, you're, you're overlooking zoning. So you're going to find a lot of defunct restaurants in uh, general commercial, light commercial retail, oh, okay. mixed use. You're not going to find them in heavy industrial mm-hmm. or, or you and know, if, and that if, type of... And if you want to have a production facility and manufacture beer, if you want to do a restaurant brew pub, you could probably get away with it. But if you want to do you know, a brewery, then you need some sort of manufacturing zoning. I mean, unless you want to go after a conditional use permit. So if you're if you're in a city where the, the where the CUP is not very expensive, mm-hmm. then it might be worth your while to, to open up a place if the city will approve the use in that particular zoning. Mm-hmm. You know, and watch out for, you know, a lot of a lot of special overlay districts in a lot of towns. So someone thinks, hey, you know, I'd love to be in old town. Mm-hmm. It's so charming. But then you find out that's a that's a special overlay. Uh, zone, so it's not it's 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 a uh, it's a zoning that has special rules, has its own rules, mm-hmm. and oftentimes they don't include bringing in manufacturing facilities. Right, even if it's something as lovely as a brewery. All right, let's take a, another short break. When we come back, uh, we'll we'll find out more about uh, how Ken got his start at Device Brewing. After this. Hi, I'm Jason Harris, the proud owner here at Keystone Homebrew Supply. We're thrilled to be entering our 20th year of supplying this great industry. And to show you, the Brewing Network Army, how much we appreciate your support, we're offering you 10% off your first order on our website, keystonehomebrew.com. Just use coupon code BNARMY at checkout, and I'll get your order out the same day. My goal at Keystone Homebrew Supply has always been to have a complete supply of everything a brewer could want. When you place your order online or when you come into our store, it's our goal to have everything on your list and more. One aspect of KeystoneHomebrew.com that we're really excited about is the ability to fulfill customers' exact grain bills. Do you hate to wait? Keystone Homebrew Supply can get your precious yeast and hops to you within just one day if you live between Connecticut and Virginia and within two days east of the Mississippi. KeystoneHomebrew.com I'm Jason Harris and I approve this message. Tim, huh? Getting tired of that same old handcrafted beverages day after day? Are you looking for something with more diversity than your normal beer? Fellow BN Army member Michael Fairbrother, owner of Moonlight Meadery, is reviving an entire beverage category. Mead! The meads at Moonlight Meadery are all handcrafted from the finest honey on the market and are perfect for any occasion, like weddings, baby showers, or... Excuse me? Mead is not your average girly drink, mister, and Moonlight Meads can be enjoyed anytime, anywhere. Football games with the guys. Yeah. Barbecues with the guys. Yeah. Operating power tools with the guys. Yeah. Um, actually, sir, that's really dangerous. 
Good point, son. Next time you have something to celebrate or are just looking for a new tasting experience, pick up a bottle of mead from Moonlight Meadery. Now in 21 states, making over 60 varieties of mead from dry, semi-sweet to sweet. Break out of that craft beer low. Grab a bottle of Moonlight Mead. Can't find some? Then ask. No, make that demand some. Yeah! What'd you get? More brewing ingredients? Yep. You know what I love about Brewmaster's Warehouse? The $6.99 shipping. Well, yeah, but... Oh, the in-store classes for beginning brewers. Yeah, that's cool, but... Oh, oh, the brew builder. Creating and saving your recipes online is... Awesome! No, I'm... Yes, but... The cheese-making supplies. No. Oh, the wine-making supplies. Oh, the distilling equipment and liquor flavorings. All that stuff is awesome, yes, but what I really love is that the guy who runs it is totally hot. And, and that brew builder software is awesome. Oh, yeah. Brewmaster's Warehouse brings you flat rate shipping on great equipment and ingredients to make beer, wine, cheese, and spirits at brewmasterswarehouse.com. And if you're in Georgia, stop by Brewmaster's Warehouse Monday through Saturday from 10 to 6. Visit brewmasterswarehouse.com today because it's totally hot. Oh, yeah. A vial of White Labs yeast is the key to your best beer. When you open a vial of White Labs yeast, you're giving your beer its best chance for a perfect fermentation. In addition to their already incredible variety of yeasts, White Labs is proud to announce WLP 90, San Diego's Super Yeast, now available year-round. WLP 90 is super clean, super fast fermenting, with low esters and has a neutral flavor and aroma profile. It's alcohol tolerant and highly flocculent. For more of the latest White Labs news, click over to whitelabs.com, where you can read reviews of yeast, learn in the lab section, and join the customer club. And if you should find yourself in San Diego, White Labs has a brand new training facility for craft brewers and home brewers alike. Whitelabs.com. Discover yeast, nutrients, enzymes, and more for commercial breweries, home brewers, and homebrew stores. White Labs. It's all in the vial. Hi, I'm Jamel Zanishef, and in addition to my work on the Brewing Network, I write the style profile column in every issue of Brew Your Own magazine. Hi, I'm Sean Paxton, and when I'm not prepping for the Home Brewed Chef on the Brewing Network, you can find me writing articles on how to cook with your home brew for Brew Your Own magazine. Greetings, cretins. This is John Palmer, and when I'm not writing for Brew Your Own, I'm reading it. John Palmer, Sean Paxton, Jamil Zanishev. If you love listening to them on the Brewing Network, you'll love reading their articles, tips, and recipes in the pages of Brew Your Own magazine. Join Jamil, John, and Sean eight times a year in Brew Your Own. And when you subscribe to BYO on the Brewing Network website, half of your subscription price goes right back to the BN to support great beer and food programming. So sign up for Brew Your Own magazine through the BN website today so you can listen and read. Read your way to better homebrew. Back to your hosts, Jamil Zanashef and John Palmer. Putting the testicles in technical. This is Brew Strong. All right, we're back. We're talking, uh, getting started on your nano. And uh, so, Ken, what was your next step? We talked about uh, uh, working out with your spouse, kind of getting your plan together, uh, finding a location. Now, now, where did you go from here? Well, once we thought we had a good location, it was a matter of taking that address to the planning department and meeting with them and saying, hey, this is what we want to do here. And then really actually going through the, the, the process of explaining to them what that really is. Um, you say nanobrewery to most people, they kind of go, well... What what is that? Is that like a is that like a microbrewery? So yes, it is, but just a little smaller. It's an order of magnitude smaller. So uh, we've got you know we want to have a tasting room. Oh, so open to the public? Yes. Oh, and then they kind of scratch their heads and they well, and they, they they pull out a chart and see if that works. And um, you know, we, I spent a fair amount of time uh, in the building department in the planning department talking with them. And once we determined that yeah, it was okay. Well, what 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 criteria are they measuring you against? Most. Major cities will have brewery as a listed use. So what they have is they have a matrix, and along the, you know along the, the 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 rows, it's all the different uses you could possibly have. Okay. And then the columns are basically the different zones. 
and it'll either be yes, no, or with a, with a permit. Okay. And so what you're looking for is yes. You're uh-huh. looking for this is a permissible use by right. And so, um, and like I said, most major cities, you can go down to brewery and then look over and see which zones do they permit breweries in. Um, but of course, there's going to be plenty of cities out there that don't have any breweries, and that may not be written into their zoning ordinance. And in that case, you're looking for manufacturing or light manufacturing. Most cities that I talk to, they categorize brewery as manufacturing. Interesting. Instead of light manufacturing. Or a so restaurant. I mean, restaurants not manufacturing, right? Nope. Nope. <clears throat> so uh, you, you, you need to find a place that will do manufacturing. So sometimes you need industrial... Uh, you know, light industrial is not for manufacturing. It's for service-oriented uh, industrial stuff like car shops and, uh, you know, frame shops and things like that. Or And so hmm. you need to make sure that it, it fits in with the zoning. But, again, you can always kind of get a, a, a conditional use permit um, from uh, the city. You just need to find out what that cost is going to be. If you found a great building and it's – everything you need and you're going to save you know one hundred and fifty thousand dollars in improvements it might be worth spending you know five or ten thousand on a use permit if that's you know uh, versus another building one thing that's worth mentioning is um you know negotiating your lease uh, contingency period Mm -hmm. which i did um i'd spent some time work as a commercial real estate agent actually before i went to engineering school and so i've read a fair amount of uh commercial lease application or lease uh, documents and uh, lease agreements, and so when I negotiated with our uh, with our landlord, I built in there. Okay, I need this permit, this permit, this permit, and this approval. And if I don't get all of those within ninety days, I walk. Mm-hmm. And they agreed. Oh, okay. yeah. that's so good you need, to have. Yeah. You build in a little because, and most of them will. If you, you know, also like, uh, you know, in our case, we also said, you know, it's this contingent on us getting, you know. This this use permit and uh, getting approval from the ABC and you know TTB and and they're like well you know they don't want to get tied up not being able to lease the place to somebody else but then the city stepped in and said you know they're going to get it don't worry they're going to get their use permit that's that's a no brainer they already have you know they're already operating a brewery so it was no big deal for in that oh, case okay. um, yeah. but you need to make sure because you don't want to sit there with a lease and not be able to, to brew beer. What are you going to do with that space? Right. right. So you need to make sure that, you know, um, I, I think we generally put in um, just general verbiage also that says that we'll be able to operate as a brewery. If there's any, any city state or, you know, federal uh, denial of us operating as a brewery, then the lease is null and void. I suppose you could always turn it into a pet washing or something like that. Yeah. yeah I'd rather just, Walk away from the lease. Yeah, there you go. Okay. I don't know. Poodles going through the whirlpool would be kind of funny, though. <laughs> <laughs> so you were able to uh, uh, find this building. You checked it out with the building department. And where did you go from there? Once we signed the lease, uh, the flag had dropped, and it was it was time to go mm-hmm. go quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, the next step was putting together, and I actually started ahead of time, was putting together the TTB application package, which is it's pretty lengthy. There's quite a bit of information they want. And so the TTB application was pretty much ready to go. There's a lot you can do even before you have a building. There's Absolutely. a lot that pertains to the building, but there's a huge amount you can do exactly. without a building. Yeah. And you, can, you just save as you go, and then mm-hmm. just revisit that application next time you want to log on. Right, you've got the, the the there's an online process now. I still have not done the online process because of <laughs> I'm old. Uh, but uh, there's an online process. You can save it. You know your progress and mm-hmm. and for the ABC, um, you know it's still a stack of papers. But right. you print them all out, fill out the ones you can fill out, red flag the ones with a you know a flag uh, that you need to come back to because you don't have the building yet. Get it all ready, and then once you get your building spend a night just finishing the rest of it and get it in right away right. now you had a, a good good turnaround time on yours yeah it was remarkable uh they told us it'd be 113 days so we were planning on that mm-hmm. and it was 33 mm-hmm. wow. um yeah. the abc took about 60 or so mm-hmm. um they they didn't turn it around very quickly uh, but it was also you know during the during the early part of the summer a lot of people on, on paid leave and or you know time off for sure, vacation yeah. so i think thing, i think everything was moving a little, little slower at that at that point but well and you have to post for 30 days as well that's right 
Yeah. yeah. We, and we got our, we got our sign to post the day we dropped off our paperwork. So mm-hmm. that, that went pretty quickly and there was no, there was no community outcry or, or pushback. So, mm-hmm. so that went well. Um, yeah. So, you know, there was, uh, there was a, there's a lot of, a lot of paperwork involved. There's, you know, there's so many different, uh, agencies you need to please, you know, uh, from the FDA to, you know, the, the IRS, you need a, you know, you need a federal tax mm-hmm. ID number. You're not going anywhere without that. Right. Well, you're not going anywhere without that. Well, I'm talking about needing to please people. You know, we have another sponsor that, that I love to mention during the show. Yeah. AdamandEve.com. Experts I mean, at pleasing it, people. If you're, if you're looking to please someone, yep. browse yourself over. They, they've even got a mobile app, you, you, you mobile have. website. You go to AdamandEve.com. Does it make your phone vibrate? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and you, you check, check it out. They've got uh, thousands, tens of thousands of items there. And if you use the offer code Jamel, J-A-M-I-L, you can get just about any one item for 50% off. Then, after you've bought one item 50% off, they're going to they're gonna give you three free DVDs of your choosing. It's not the, the bottom of the barrel... Uh, anime. Goat stroker stuff. <laughs> anime, I, I'm sure they got anime categories, but they got, you know, like uh, big breasts, they got big butts, they got... Uh, big heads? Big <laughs> heads, small heads, they got... Uh, uh, fatties, skinnies, uh, Asians, uh, milfs, the, you name it. They get gay and anything you want. They got it all. And you get to choose from those categories. You get to choose some, some, some premium DVDs. You get the, the three free DVDs. They're going to throw in an extra free sensual gift. So sensual. I'm going to have to tell you about it off the air, John. Okay. I'll show it to you. Does it have a rope on it? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> okay. Yeah. <laughs> no, you, you drop the soap, and then I'll show you the soap. <laughs> and then, and then, and then, uh, to top it off, free shipping. So you use the offer code Jamel, J-A-M-I-L, at adamandeve.com. You buy one item at 50% off, and it's not like they've inflated the prices, the decent right. pricing on this That's stuff. That's true. You get an item 50% off. They just want you to, to try being a customer. Mm-hmm. And then you get the three free DVDs for your choosing. You get the free central gift. You get the free shipping. All for using the off code Jamel, J A M I L at adamandeve.com. So check it out today. And you can please someone. You can go down to the uh, ABC office and say, hey, I brought you a special <laughs> gift. <laughs> it won't fit through the slot. I don't know. You I, I had the Oakland office where the paper barely fit through the slot. So uh, <laughs> I'm not sure I'd get an Adam and Eve gift through the slot. But you know, you wave it around. They might, uh, they might come out and join you. I don't know. All right, let's take a short break. <laughs> and when we come back, we'll wrap up with uh, questions from the chat and a little bit more from, from Ken after this. BN Army Hop Tech has a great discount waiting for you. Do you often find it difficult to find specific specialty ingredients for your homebrew recipes? Well, listen to this. Hop Tech stocks 59 different grains to choose from, 39 varieties of pellet hops, and 8 kinds of holy pops. And Hop Tech not only carries Y yeast and White Labs yeast for you, but also Fermentus 04, 5, 6, 23, 33, and T58 Belgian yeast, plus Cooper's Nottingham and Windsor yeasts. Got your recipe ready to go? Pick up some great brew gear like new long and short sleeved shirts, games, and more. HopTech's new website is being updated every day with new items. If you don't see it, call the shop. They're open six days a week. BN Army and AHA members get a 10% discount, and active military personnel get 15% off. Visit HopTech.com today for great selection, great service, and a great discount. HopTech.com. That's it. I've had it. I am never putting hops in my beer again. What? Why? It's just too ridiculous. Insane prices, stupid contracts, high shipping costs, crappy selection. Dude, you need Nico Brew. Nico Brew will rock your f***ing face right the f*** off your f***ing skull. $5 shipping to all 50 states, plus fantastic international rates get you low prices on Nico Brew's great selection of hops and more. Whether you're a home brewer, a pro brewer, or a home brew shop owner, Nico Brew can get you the hops you need in increments big and small, single orders, spot buys, or full contracts. And there's only one place to join the uber-special secret elite bare-bones club where you'll get the best deals anywhere. Holy f***ing shit! NicoBrew.com N-I-K-O-B-R-E-W Nico Brew, your bare-bones buddy in the brewing business. Tonight is 
the night. We bring the creature to life, Dr. Blitzkrankstein? Yes, J.P. Gore. Everything is perfect for my next fermented creation. My father, the storm is too far away. We'll never have enough power to isomerize the creature's acids. <laughs> yes, J.P. Gore, we will. For I have in my possession the Tower of Power! Glickman's new Tower of Power is the evolution of automation. Control hot liquor, sparge, and mash temps like a pro. The Tower of Power is a high-quality gas-fired rim system that works with your current brewing setup. With ultra-precision, the tower can hold your mash to one-half of a degree Fahrenheit. Precision and repeatability. The Tower of Power is the answer to automatic, fast ramp times. See more at BlickmanEngineering.com. Bring your next creation to life with the Tower of Power. Dr. Glickman's with the Tower of Power, you can probably give me an afternoon at the pub to enjoy a pint. Don't be silly, J.P. Gore. We have beer to brew. When I order a beer, I want my server to know more about it than I do. I want someone who enjoys good beer and loves helping others enjoy it, too. I want someone who knows how to pour a perfect pint for any beer style. I want a Cicerone. The Cicerone certification program is creating the type of people who help you enjoy great beer. Home brewers and craft beer lovers know beer is more flavorful and complex than ever, and it takes some serious knowledge to store and serve beer right. Cicerones, no beer. There are three levels in the Cicerone program. Certified Beer Server, Certified Cicerone, and Master Cicerone. Cicerones are truly the sommeliers of beer. The best beer locations have a certified Cicerone on staff. Relaxed and unpretentious, Cicerones are tested on storing and serving beer, beer styles, flavor and tasting, the brewing process and ingredients, and pairing food with beer. Learn more about your next beer guide at Cicerone.org. Certified Cicerone, because it takes top talent to present a perfect pint. All right, BN Army, it's trivia time. What's the only homebrew shop with over 1,000 recipe kits, $4.99 shipping on orders over 100 bucks, and is also home of the Wolf Shirt? The one and only answer is Austin Homebrew Supply. For over 20 years, they've specialized in creating recipes such as the best-selling Texas Blonde Ale, Apocalypso, Hot Bomb 2.0, and Double Chocolate Stout. And they just recently unveiled their small grain kits that produce one gallon of beer. Visit Austin Homebrew Homebrew.com to browse their extensive catalog of equipment and ingredients. They also have many clone recipes of your favorite commercial beers. They're the exclusive retailer of Brew Vent Yeast Fuel as well, Yeast Nutrient, and the all-new Bodybuilder. Follow Austin Homebrew Supply on Google Plus to participate in video hangouts on popular brewing topics. So visit AustinHomebrew.com today and make sure you sign up for their weekly email with news and specials. Austin Homebrew Supply, AustinHomebrew.com. Back to the beer guys that make other beer guys look like wine guys. Brew strong. All right, we're back. We're enjoying uh, a three X IPA from Device Brewing. Ken brought with him. Yep, quite very, nice. Very strong bitterness, but uh, mm-hmm. but not not overly resiny and not overly syrupy. Clean yeah. fermentation. Really nice small character. Yeah, you're making some nice beers. Thank you. I mean, sometimes, you know, no offense to everybody else out there, but sometimes you, you talk to people that are just starting out and they're doing the nano thing and they've gone just from home brewing to the nano brewing. They just weren't a great home brewer to start with. <laughs> <laughs> and their nano brew is even worse. And it's like, uh, dude. Uh, but yours are really good. Yeah. Yeah, I like these. I would, I, would, uh, I would drink pints of... Uh, of um, well, I mean, one whatever lower is, alcohol yeah. beer you make, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. This is ten point. But then I am like John; I am weak. What is the I'm lowest soft. alcohol beer you make right now? It's six point five. The pale ale, yes. See, but that's what the market wants. That's what the people yeah, are asking yeah. for. You know, um, we brewed a four point four percent beer, and it's like the market isn't really interested. It's a great beer, GABF gold medal winner. Um, People love it, but they're just like, yeah, I want to drink something with more alcohol. It's like, yeah, whatever. But you hear the beer geeks waxing poetic about the session beers, but the sort yeah. of general public wants right. the high stuff, huh? Right, right. right. Interesting. Exactly. Okay. So, uh, you know, I think, you know, Ken's doing it right. If you're limited in your production capacity, you better brew things that people are willing to pay a premium for, and that's the higher alcohol beers, too. Yeah. Well, people true. people always ask, why are, you, why are you only doing four beers? You know, well... 
just trying to keep it simple for now. Mm-hmm, you no, know, yeah. I'm not trying to. I'm not trying to get cute. You know, I'm brewing beers I like to drink, mm-hmm. and brewing beers that are in demand, styles mm-hmm. that yep, are in demand, yep. and um, you know, when when we can expand and we have more fermentation space and and we've got it, you know, we've got more production capacity, then absolutely would love to add, you know, three, four, five more beers would be great. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Cool. Good. What kind of ce- ceiling space do you have in your facility? That's a great question. The building uh, is about 16 feet, but okay. my facility is 10 feet because mine um, was a former restaurant, so I do have a drop ceiling mm-hmm. with uh, with lighting and you know, the HVAC and so forth, so it's a, it's an, it's an enclosure. Um but you could probably, at least on a section, pop that up to 16 feet. Uh, absolutely. Yeah. Give you a chance to put in some bigger fermenters. Absolutely. That's the idea. So what 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 size is your, your brew plant now? I'm using four Blickman 55-gallon uh, boilermakers. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I, I multi-batch. Mm-hmm. So I'm pushing uh, three batches through mm-hmm. in a day. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that fourth vessel is really nice because I can get the, I can get the beer out of the boil kettle, mm-hmm. the word out of there, get a whirlpooling, mm-hmm. clean out that boil kettle quickly. Mm-hmm. And typically as I'm doing my transfer uh, into the fermenter, I'm sparging in the next batch. Oh, okay. Very good. All right. Uh, Scott, questions from the chat? Yes. Uh, let's start with one from the dark side. How many solid beers uh, do you guys think you need when first starting out? Uh, well, you need one. liquid beers, really, instead of <laughs> solid. I, th- I think he's asking, like, you know, your initial lineup should one. feature one, and it one. should be what kind of beer? Uh, a great beer. Boy, you are just detailed and informative. And- That's all you really need. I would I would go with something solidly in the pot, the the eye of the public right now. Wouldn't you agree, Ken? If you were to pick one, I mean, maybe you'd go with... Um, you know, either your pale ale or the, the, the triple IPA, I guess. You know, you wouldn't go dark. Well, you wouldn't go, um, you'd go something hoppy. Yep. At least 6%, more like, you know, you know, 7, 8, 9%, and uh, hoppy and not too dark. If I had one beer to brew, if, it, if, it, if I was limited for whatever reason to one beer, I'd brew about an 8.5% Imperial IPA. Mm-hmm. If I could only mm-hmm. do one. Yeah, that's probably gonna, you know. So sell you only and it. you only need one. You really only need one. That's just sell, it, sell a ton of it. Imperial IPA. Just you think that's what the most people are going to order? Yeah, I think that that. Uh, I mean, it also depends on where you are. This mm-hmm. where I'm talking about True. California. Um, you you would want to you would want to go talk to your you know your local tap room, uh, your local tap room where where the 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 beer people come to drink good beer and ask ask that that store owner what do you sell the most of imperial ipa and they'd say imperial ipa and that's what they say here Mm -hmm. they they can't i mean uh places will keep three and four double ipas on at one time and then they sell them all faster than any of the other ones than any other beer I suspect the dark side was wildly unsatisfied with that answer. But in any case, Mile High Brewer is asking... <laughs> well, we're, uh, we're telling him the truth. Why is he unsatisfied? Well, because I Are just, you unsatisfied, Scott? I am, yes. So I, why are you putting that on the dark side? Because I, it's, I, it's your I project. Fault. That's what I do, Jay-Z. <laughs> I just, I thought, your nipples it, are getting hard. If I was asking, you know, what, I would expect someone to say, well, you know, a porter and an IPA and a red... You know what I mean? I think he's yeah. asking, what staples should I have on when I first open my doors? May, uh, yeah, I that guess wasn't the, the answer question. Is, how many, how many solid? Uh, so, in other words, how many good beers do I need to have? Is you think that's what he was asking? How many beers? Period. At least one. One. You only need one. I mean, you can make a bunch of other beers if you want, but one is going to outsell all the rest. Yeah, you're going to have one flagship that's yeah. going to be your main sales that you're going to devote you know a couple of double sized or triple sized fermenters to that everybody's buying. Yes, but but that doesn't mean it should be your only beer just because you have one beer that no, sells well. Not necessarily, but that wasn't the question. I, I'm sure he understands he could have other beers. His question was, how many do I really need? Okay, 
you know, and, and he's calculating his number of fermenters and turns of fermenters and things like that. You only really only need one, especially when you're starting out. You know, build a name with a great beer and, you know, get into Sam all those places. And then you can go ahead and start, you know, uh, once you've got those accounts and they're going like, hey, are, are you going to brew anything else? Then you can go ahead and, you know, start up another another beer, another brand, as we call it. Okay, fair enough. Mile High Brewer asks, does the TTB diagram of the brewery need to be exact? What if you decide to change equipment? Okay, so it 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 does need to be exact. You need to file a new one, a, a change of notice, a, a, a new serial number on your notice if you change the the equipment. If you change the space, you add a fermenter, you're supposed to file a new notice, all that stuff, and a lot of people don't. But, you know, the, if they come out to check, I suppose you could get in trouble for not updating your notice, but they want to know everything about it and it needs to be it doesn't need to be you know super precise like this is you know 10 feet and two inches over they just need to know the placement of the equipment the the shell of the building they're most interested in entrances exits proximity to other uh things and waterways and then um how many fermenters you're going to have where they're located things like that how you're going to segregate out tax paid and non-tax paid beer that's what they want to know. Those are the critical things. So they're interested in, in being able to monitor. Collect the, money. Yeah, collect money. So <laughs> monitor the quantity of beer that you're producing. Right. So if you add in three more fermenters, mm-hmm. kind of hidden, that's the kind of stuff they right. want to Right. They're discover. going to be like, yeah, you said you're only producing this amount of beer, and look at all these other fermenters. Where, yeah. What's up with that? So I would, uh, you know... If you're you're constantly evolving, you know, I'd say, you know, maybe at least once a year you should look at how things compare to your original submitted document. And then if it's substantially changed, maybe go ahead and fill a new one out and send it in. You can the, the good thing is you can continue operating while they're approving it. So it's not like you have to worry about being shut down or something. Being shut down. You know, they they'll be like, Hey, yeah, thanks for letting us know. They'll stamp it, they'll send it back. And I would uh, I would uh, chime in and say that you know, knowing AutoCAD oh, yeah. has been really helpful <laughs> because you know every time I've had to make a change to the plans with the building department, especially, mm-hmm. um, I was able to go back and do that myself and not uh-huh. hire uh, an architect or an engineer. And also, when the building department said you're going to have to have that stamped by a licensed professional engineer, I said, "Well, I think I might know one." Mm-hmm. So okay. that helped. I'm not telling everyone to go get a PE license first, but right. uh, if you know an architect or an engineer, that'll help you. And if you know a general contractor, that'll also help. Right, right. Um, those those people are critical, um, you know, if you can't do it all yourself. And, uh, you know, as far as the drawing goes for the TTB and for the ABC, line drawing. I mean, you know, ABC wants it on their form. You have to line draw it out by hand in pen uh, for them on the form. Um, what I was able to do is, make it up in a in a graphic art program yeah uh gra- i did it in poo actually uh in a graphics art program and then i just uh printed that as like a graphic and then i i took a, a pdf of their form and just inserted it into the pdf that's what i did as well yep. and uh so you can change it and then our i submitted it in and then by the time the guy got out there to, to take a look at the building everything was a completely different layer. And he's like, so explain to me what I'm looking at on this diagram and how that matches what I'm looking at here. And I'm like, well, you know, this got moved over here and that got moved over there. He's like, oh, okay, because um, do me a favor, just make up a new one of these and mail it in and uh, we'll, we'll approve it. And he's like, just make sure you get a, a new one in. That's correct. Yeah, it was just, things moved around a little bit. And they're like, yeah, whatever. Yeah, the goat pen went over that side of the room. That's <laughs> right, right. They're closer to my office, so, so I have uh, my intimate moments. I, I don't have to go very far. Let's do one last quick one, another one from uh, Mile High Brewer. He asks, is there a, r- a rule of thumb as to how many beers you should have in your portfolio for a given capacity? So if you have like a seven-barrel system, you should have four styles or whatever. Is there a rule of thumb for that? I've never heard of that, um, but I would say that the smaller your brewery, the easier it is to have a more diverse range of uh, styles because your pitch of yeast costs less, so you can just go ahead and start up something new. Um, 
if you and your cost of fermenters is, tends to be less when you're get up to where we're at and we're 120 barrel fermenters and a 35 barrel brew plant starting up a new style especially if it's a different yeast in order to run a yeast and make a pitch of yeast worthwhile i have to run it for like you know at least 20 pitches so i need a whole set of tanks just for that strain of yeast so i need four tanks for that whereas you know uh, on a on a small enough scale, yeah, you do up a starter on your stir plate from a from a smack pack or a, a vial of White Labs and toss it in there. You're good to go, and then you can you know dump that yeast and and start a new yeast. So, what would happen if you did less than twenty runs on that yeast? If you decided after just, just a couple, it just costs too much. I mean, I'm paying uh, you know seventeen hundred dollars for a pitch of yeast, so I need to get like fifteen fifteen runs out of it to you know kind of make the cost per barrel reasonable i mean as it is on a 30 barrel batch that's adding a dollar per keg you know a lot of times Mm. or a dollar per barrel all right there you go thanks chat room for the questions there you go good show ken ken's sticking around with us and uh we're gonna do another show right after this he's gonna get into kind of the nitty-gritty about uh, getting set up and the equipment and all that other stuff uh and should be fascinating Uh, like i said i've been talking to him about this it's been really good if you enjoy this Make sure to check out our fine sponsors. Check out BlickmanEngineering.com, Blickman with two N's, and uh, check out AdamandEve.com for for all those uh, things to please other people. Quite uh, the buzz about them. <laughs> right, right. Uh, if you want the buzz, yes, I think they sell that too. Uh, and uh, check out the Brewing Network store, TheBrewingNetwork.com. they got all sorts of goodies there. You buy that stuff, it goes to the bottom of the line of the Brewing Network and keeps shows like this on the air so you can continue to enjoy it. So check them all out. Till then, Bruce Strong, everybody. Bruce Strong.